Thank you for listening to a message from the Oak Haven Church. The following sermon was recorded during our Sunday morning worship service. We hope that this message will be helpful to you and encourage you to explore the Word of God. And now, this week's message. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Paul. Everybody calls me Paulie the Pitbull. This is not what my name has always been. It's not who I always been. I used to be Saul the Salamander. Somebody asked, why Salamander? That's an excellent question. I was a salamander because I was cold-blooded and quiet, and I could sneak up on anybody without being hurt. Plus, a salamander is a colorful animal. <laughs> Me too. Now, I'm not sure what kind of nomenclature you're accustomed to out here in Wisconsin. But what I was is what you'd call a wise guy. Capiche? Nice. And not just any wise guy. I was the wise guy all the other wise guys was afraid of. I was a regular fear broker because I was the enforcer. I was the one the boss would call when somebody got out of line. You could say I was in the business of changing people's minds. Sometimes they didn't change their minds. You know what I'm talking about. All I'm going to say is that Jimmy Hoffa is not under the old giant stadium. That's all I'm going to say. So one day I'm on my way to do a job um, to change somebody's mind. And we're driving along the Belt Parkway. Uh, now, for those of you unfamiliar with the geography and infrastructure of New York City, you've probably heard of Manhattan. Manhattan is only part of New York City. New York is comprised of five what they call boroughs. Manhattan Island is one of them. But then you got the Bronx, where the Yankees play. Then you got Queens, where the Mets play. And they got the airports. Then you got Brooklyn, where our story takes place. And then for some reason, Staten Island. I don't know. So we're driving along the Belt Parkway. The Belt Parkway is the southeastern perimeter of Brooklyn. You've got Brooklyn on one side and the water on the other. It really is a very nice drive. So we're driving along the Belt Parkway. Well, I'm not driving. Gino's driving. Vinny's got shotgun. And I'm lounging in the back seat when all of a sudden, bam, it's like we hit a brick, a brick wall or something. Only we didn't hit nothing. And Gino didn't touch the brakes. And then this light, this bright light starts streaming in through all the windows. And I'm trying to roll down both the back windows to figure out who it is that's pulling this prank. Um, I'm thinking it's the same outfit that took out Jimmy and Carmine last month. And, and then this, this bright light streaming in through all the windows. And then this voice comes from everywhere. And it says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And I say, persecute? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Who are you? And what family are you with? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Then Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, there he is sitting next to me in the back of the sedan. I couldn't believe my eyes. Boy, he was a lot shorter than I expected him to be. So here we are, Saul of Salamander and Jesus Christ, having us a little sit down in the back of the sedan on the Belt Parkway. 
And Jesus tells me to get off at the next, next exit, go to this safe house he knows in Bensonhurst on Straight Street. There I am to lay low until he can send his man Ananias to speak to me. And just to make sure I get the message, Jesus blinds me. Not blindfolds, which is what we do in the business, but actually blinds me. At least he didn't make me ride in the trunk. So for three days, I'm in the safe house in Bensonhurst, and there is not a crumb of food in this place. I got nothing to eat. They don't got cable. I mean, not that it matters. I'm blind. So I got nothing to do. Nothing to do for three days but think. And what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about Jesus. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I heard of Jesus. I mean, who hasn't? And I thought he was a real guy, but I thought he was just like a regular guy. And all that extra stuff was a bunch of fiction made up by his other followers. That was before I met Jesus face to face, though. When I met Jesus face to face, I knew all that other stuff his followers said about him was true. And since it was true, the fact that he, Jesus Christ, has reached out to me, Saul the Salamander, as messed up as my life is, as many things as I have done, as many people as I have hurt or whacked, or forget about it. I mean, the fact that Jesus Christ has reached out to me is the most amazing thing of all. And so I am scared right now. I mean, for the first time in a long time, I'm feeling some, some genuine fear here because I definitely do not feel in control of this situation. And that is a feeling I did not enjoy. I still don't, but I'm kind of getting used to it. But I think that because of all I've done, I'm about to get what's coming to me, that I'm about to die. This Ananias is coming to do a job on me like I've done on so many others. That all of this is an elaborate setup to punish me, to torture me, to make me pay for all the innumerable stakes, mistakes I have made. I know this is what I deserve, and this is what I'm expecting. But on the outside chance, this is not what's going to happen. I'm also afraid that I am too far gone. It's too late for me to change, for Jesus to want me. I mean, talk about being unlovable. And stuck in my unlovable ways... So for three days, I sit, I think, I sweat, I pray, I stew in my own juices. Then after three days, Jesus comes to this Ananias guy and says, Ananias, I got a job for you. Go to the safe house in Bensonhurst. There you will find a man named Saul. Now what I want you to say to him, but Ananias interrupts him, doesn't let, Je doesn't let Jesus finish. Now, wait a minute. Jesus Christ, excuse me, Saul, who? We are not even talking about the salamander here now, are we? I mean, I know you know what he's done and what he's been up to. I even hear he was on his way over to work over the sum of the family. And now you want me to set foot in the same room as him? you got to be kidding me. Forget about it, Jesus. Jesus replied, I know, I know, but he's going to change. I mean, Ananias, wait till you see what happens with this guy. When the world hears how much this guy is about to change, put his whole old life behind him for me, he's going to do more for me than Joel Namath ever did for Brute, than Michael Jordan ever did for Nike, than Mark Zuckerberg ever did for social networking. I'm telling you, Ananias, I know what I'm doing. Now get moving. 
Well, Ananias comes to me in the safe house and he lays Jesus' cards on the table. And I don't know what's coming. And when he starts with, okay, Mr. Saul of Salamander, this is what Jesus Christ has got for you. Your life is over. Tutto finito. I'm like, yep, here it comes. So I close my eyes, even though I'm blind, and wait for, wait for Ananias to do the job. But he doesn't whack me. He keeps talking. Open your eyes, you numb skull. I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about, about you being crucified with Jesus Christ. Not that I'm happy about it, but you get to keep on living. But the life you're going to live is going to be Jesus Christ living in you and through you from now on. You don't call the shots no more, Mr. Big Shot. Jesus Christ calls all the shots. Or you can go back to your old way of life and suffer the eternal consequences. It really don't matter to me. But apparently, it does to Jesus. What could I say? I couldn't believe my ears. Instead of the judgment and condemnation, I deserved and expected Jesus was extending grace to me. It was unbelievable. You could say he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Of course I took the deal. I am stubborn. I am not stupid. So Ananias takes me down to Coney Island Beach. He plunges me beneath that chilly Atlantic surf, baptizing me in the name of Jesus Christ, and bada bing, bada boom, I'm a new creation. The old me is as dead as Jimmy Hoffa. Now since at that moment I put my entire old life behind me, we decided I needed a new name unassociated with reptiles, if you can imagine. I mean, Saul of Salamander just had too many bad memories, negative connotations, and so on. Now, Paul is a lot like Saul, only different, like me. Now, when it comes to nicknames, you don't pick your own nickname. Other people pick that for you. So for a long time, I was just Paul or Paulie. But then the other disciples of Jesus Christ saw how I had my jaws locked around Jesus and I was never letting go. So they started calling me the pit bull. Paulie the pit bull. Got a nice ring to it. I considered it an upgrade. Then after a while, Jesus comes to me again. He says, Paulie, I like the new name. Paulie, I got a job for you. I want you to tell people your story. Paulie, I want you to tell everybody your story. I want you to travel far and wide and tell everybody you meet everywhere your story because I am your story, Paulie. And when people hear your story, they hear my story. They hear how much I want to be a part of their story. Capish? I knew you would. Now get moving, Paulie. So I did what Jesus told me to do. I told my story to the great and small alike, and everybody in between, just like I'm telling you good people. It's not like it's hard. I was there for all of it. So I tell my story here. I tell my story there. I tell my story everywhere. Sounds just like Dr. Seuss, don't it? Now I'm telling my story everywhere, and I'm finding some people that don't want to hear my story. And they got different reasons, let me tell you. I mean, obviously, Jesus Christ figures prominently in my story. 
And there are some people, before you say a word about them, they don't like Jesus, they don't want to hear a word about them. No matter what you got to say, they don't want to hear it. Okay, fine. Now for other people, obviously I change a lot in my story. And they start feeling, as I tell my story, that I'm expecting them to change, that I'm putting this pressure on them to change. And they don't think they need to change. They don't think nobody needs to change because everybody is okay. Okay. But there are other people who desperately want to change, who want, who want to live something better, something bigger. They don't know what it is, but they know there's something more more significant in, the, in life. And I, I know his name. His name is Jesus. Now, my story gives people like that who want to know what life is really all about. My story gives those people a roadmap. Now, those people who don't want to hear my story, they, they've made it pretty rough on me sometimes. I mean, I've actually been on trial just for telling my story. Now, I've been on trial before, but everybody got paid off and the charges got dropped. But this time, nobody's paying off nobody. But what's the worst that could happen? What are they going to do? Huh? Send me up the river? Fine. I'll go up the river. Here I am, up the river. Does that take Jesus away from me? No. In fact, the only trial that matters to me anymore is the one where God is the judge and the DA at the same time who justifies me while he's making his case against me. That is so nice. In the meantime, the star witness against me is Jesus Christ. But he's also my very own conciliere, my defense attorney. And he hops up and says, Pop! I mean, Your Honor, I live inside this man now. You can't try me twice for the same crimes. Need I remind the court of that little instrument called the cross. Every one of this man's crimes has already been punished in me. I gotta invoke double jeopardy here and move for a dismissal of all charges. And bada bing, bada boom, case closed. I'm untouchable. Not because of me, because of him. Jesus Christ has got my back all the time for all time. Repeat after me. Jesus Christ has got my back. All the time for all time. Yes, he does. Well, you didn't have to repeat that, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. So, if this is the nature of my relationship with Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, what are those people that don't want me to tell my story? What are they going to do about it? I mean... I've been the subject of criticism, slanderous lies, jokes. Let me tell you, sticks and stones can break your bones, but names cannot hurt you. You're untouchable. Sticks and stones, I felt plenty of those. And I'd be lying to say they didn't hurt. But Jesus didn't stop loving me just because I got hit by a rock. I'm untouchable. I've been stripped naked and beaten to a pulp fired from jobs, kicked out of apartments, hungry, thirsty, homeless, lonely, at the wrong end of a knife more times than I can count. Did Jesus leave my side in any of those moments? No. Did Jesus love me less in any of those moments? No. 
In fact, those tough moments got me and Jesus even tighter. So they didn't even give me agita. You know what agita is in Wisconsin? It's Sicilian for heartburn, which I'm starting to feel a little bit right now. Now, the thing is, the people who are not doing the persecuting, you know what they are doing? They are watching. They are watching, and they see how I and my fellow followers of Jesus keep telling our story in spite of all the hardship those killjoys are putting in our way. So those people that are watching, you know what they're saying? They're saying, wow, that Jesus Christ must be something else. Because look at those people. I mean, not for nothing, but you've got to have something tremendously important in your life if you're going to lose a job or an apartment or a relationship over it. That Jesus must be worth believing in. Because look at them Christians. They're living like they're untouchable or something. Now, when I say I'm untouchable, I obviously don't mean that Jesus is going to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> Far from it. In fact, somebody said, tribulation is a true mark of belonging to God. I like that. I got marks all over me, but I'm still untouchable. Now, it also don't mean that Jesus is going to find me parking spaces and get me good Yankees tickets and stuff like that. What it means is that there's no place I'm going to go that Jesus is not going to go with me. What it means, there is nothing I am going to take a stand against that Jesus Christ is not going to stand with me. What it means is that there is nobody going to intimidate me out of telling my story because it's not just my story. It's the story of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who suffered and died on the cross, was buried, and then rose again to put everybody back in relationship with the one who made them. Then he gives me and you the job to take this message of light and life to everyone who listens. Are you listening? Because Jesus Christ is the only hope of anybody who will ever, even the intimidating jerk who wants me to shut up. And God loves everybody. I'm untouchable living proof. If he can love me, what I done, the worst of sinners, he can certainly love you. He can even love the jerk that wants me to stop talking about Jesus. So I'm going to keep telling my story for the sake of the jerk and everybody else. Because yes, Jesus loves me and he loves everybody. But how are they ever going to know unless we tell them? Which is why I spend a lot of time teaching people how to tell their story. They come, spend some time with me, see how I do it, and then, you know, go off and do it on their own. You know, I took, what, about 15 minutes? You could start off with three. Start out with three minutes and, and build your way up. You know, now, some people take to this more easily than others, but I'm telling you, if you can talk, you can do this. And if you're alive, you got a story. Now, I have had some hard cases, I will confess, that it's not easy with everybody. There was this one guy especially I will never forget. His name was Timothy. And I'm sorry, it's been bothering me the whole time, but you look just like him. Timothy had stomach problems. You got stomach problems. I, got some. I thought you might, just from looking at you. Now, now Timmy... <laughs> 
Now, Timmy was very timid. We called him Timmy the Timid. Are, are you shy? I am. <laughs> I, yeah, I can say, I, you, thought like you, might, you looked like you might be shy, which is certainly fine. Because listen to what God with Timoth, Timothy. He, they called him Timmy the Timid. And I reminded him, Jesus gave us his spirit when we became part of the family, Timmy. Jesus' spirit don't make no cowards. Jesus' spirit gives us courage, even gives us the right words to say at the right time. Because Jesus is not in the fear business. He's in the love business. And so fear doesn't have no room when the spirit of God is there. Love motivates people a lot more than fear does. The problem is fear is much easier to produce, which is why Jesus' adversary, you know who, uses fear all the time. Because the devil don't speak no love languages, if you know what I mean. Now, one of these days, I'm going to tell my story to somebody who hates it so much, they're going to kill me, one way or the other. And they'll be doing me a favor. What is death? I used to fear it. But when it comes to dying, I'm already dead. The old me is already sleeping in the fissures in the bay with Ananias. And when Paulie the pit bull gets taken out of this side of life, a certain Jewish craftsman from the north side of Galilee is going to be with me all the way, and I am still going to be untouchable. For me to live, to keep living, is for Jesus Christ to keep living in me and through me. But for me, to die is my ticket to paradise, to quote Eddie Money. What is death anyway? Look at Jesus Christ. Because of his resurrection, death is nothing but a temporary nuisance. I mean, really. Forget about it. We are untouchable in every way. So I'm going to keep telling my story, and I hope you keep telling your story too, or that you start telling your story if you haven't yet, because you do not have exclusive rights to it, because it's his story. And he says, tell it. And remember, we are in the Jesus business, which is the love business, not fear. We got nothing to fear, my friends, because we are untouchable. Please stand for the benediction. My friends, what shall we say in response to these things? If God himself is for us, who can be against us? Nobody. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I think so. Who is going to bring a charge against the people that God himself has chosen? God's the one who justifies. Who's going to condemn? The only other option is Jesus, and he died for us. Even better, he rose from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. So who's going to separate us from this, this love of Christ? Huh? Shall trouble or hardship? Shall persecution or famine? Shall nakedness, danger or sword? I mean, it is written, it says, for your sake we face death all day long. 
We are considered as hopeless as sheep to be slaughtered by the people around us. But I say no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors to him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither things present nor things future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation is going to be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you can take that to the bank. Amen. So if you are committed, if you're a committed follower of Jesus Christ, would you raise your right hand and repeat after me? With God as my witness, I will live Christ and share Christ fearlessly. Because his love has made me untouchable. You know, I, I know you thought you're trying hard, but I, I got to tell you, you sound like Timmy the Timid when he preached his first sermon to the old ladies at his grandma, grandma's nursing home. So, so, so you don't have to do this, but I urge you to do so. And as we do so, let me urge you to, to say it in a fearless manner that match the words coming out of your mouth. Is that okay? All right. I mean, God heard you the first time. I'm not saying he didn't, but, but let's do it again. All right? Right hands up. With God as my witness, God is my witness. I, will I will live Christ and share Christ fearlessly. Because his love, because his love has made me, has made me untouchable. You bet he has. That's absolutely right, finalmente, bravo. Well, don't just stand there. Get moving. And come back on Friday at 6.15. But now we got chairs to move, we got tables to put up, we got pots to stir, we got babies to kiss, we got, well, what's next? I can't remember. Let's get moving. Corn to eat. Let's go. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Oak Haven Church. We're located at 2175 Witzel Avenue in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. To hear previous podcasts, visit our website at oakhavenchurch.net.